we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 72 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. 72? Is it 72? It's 72. 72. <laughs> 72. Because the answer was 71. I don't know. Seven deuce. Uh, we I've just seen orange pants everywhere, and it's just terrifying. For the only this side. first time in, I don't know, five or six episodes, we've actually got the whole crew together today. Bam! Joel is here. Hi. Eddie's here. Hi, Ogozaimasu. Andy's here. Sup? I said Anne is here. <laughs> no, we actually just switched Body voices. Switch. Yeah. Um, Body switch. I will, I will be hating on Sandman today, and Andy will be... I I'm going to tell you about the wonders of independent publishing of comic books. <laughs> oh, God. And, well, whatever. We figured it out. And pockets on women's clothing. And I am Luke. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the... Is, is the trade... I don't know. I read this in singles. Is the trade the out. first... I, four. four. Thank you. First four issues of Lazarus by Greg Rucka and, and Michael Lark. It is uh, a spectacular image comic that has been out for, it's on issue, I think, eight, eight now. Yeah. But before we get into that, there's some comic-y stuff that we wanted to talk about. Uh, God, I'm going to get a coffee. You guys start this. Um, so the, fir- the first thing, so recently on this show, we've been talking about a lot of of the kind of sexist and racist issues that come up in the comic community all the time especially sexism there's um, been a lot recently there's been a lot of recent stuff you know we talked about the uh she hulk thing like the she hulk thing and the and you know all, all kinds of the random random bullshit that happens Comments but on the teen titans covers <laughs> mainly how how in that case it, a woman expressed opinions and then was yelled at on the internet which seems to be yeah a thing that happens pretty standard uh, so this this last week, uh, I read an article was linked on Twitter uh, about a woman had written an article on is it God I can't remember the website anymore. Anyway, sorry it was it was a blog website where she was talking about bag check policies in comic book shops, um, and that most comic book shops that I've been to now it's it's weird because I've I've seen responses from Twitter uh, where there are a lot of people who've never even heard of a bag check policy at a comic shop who've I I have never had anyone ask for my bag in a comic shop um, I've I've had to surrender backpacks in comic book shops and game stores ever since I was a l- small child in the mid 80s uh, it's it's every single place I've ever gone early stage um her her slant on this particular issue was that um, com- the way that I interpreted it anyway, I mean, it wasn't a very long article, but but she basically said that comic book shops are, in general, an uncomfortable environment for women in the first place. And a woman's bag contains all of her 
essentials, including her ID and her money and her, like, say, her car keys and so on and so forth. And that by being forced to surrender their bag, the, the woman in question is now put in a situation where she no longer has an easy a, an easy escape from well it's it's like, like one step less welcoming because you right. got to give all your shit at the counter um where like it so if if a woman comes into a shop surrenders her purse and then is having to is getting harassed by either a, a patron or perhaps the shop staff she's now forced to you know, have to go grab her shit from those people before she can leave so i i have a couple of things that I, I have a couple of things to say about this. Um, the one thing that that's okay. One thing that strikes me is that the sexism here is not a bag check policy. The problem is either you're in a shop where everyone's an asshole, yep. or fucking women's clothing is an entire <laughs> humongous. Sure, issue. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like the lack of pockets on women's clothing, the fact that the societally women are set up to have all of their personal belongings in an external bag. Well, my so the question that I have though that that has <clears throat> less to do with with sexism and more to do with, you know, m- maintaining control of one's possessions. Like I've had to well, I've had to surrender a backpack full of shit at a comic shop all the time. And when you know, when I'm walking around with a backpack, I usually have a laptop and uh, you know, likely things like video gaming systems and and writing gear and all that kind of shit in it and i surrender that bag <clears throat> so if you're going to make an argument that um like you know i i have to go back to, the she she put this slant on it like well now i have to go back to get my purse instead of just going out the door i'm like well that's true of any bag right like it's not like you would leave a bag that didn't have your wallet and keys like just because i've got my wallet and keys in my pocket doesn't mean that if i need to make a quick exit i'm going to leave my backpack with my $1000 laptop in yeah. it sitting there too right that's like so inconvenient <coughs> yeah so inconvenient and that's how, what bothered how me. dare i have to walk through this colossal comic store that's probably like 30 feet long <laughs> and get my bag well the thing i think the thing is the, like the overarching issue that she's trying to address albeit in a slant that makes no logical sense to me is unwelcoming comic shops right yeah. and yes that which is, is not issue. the issue of the bag check what baffles right. me is that there were two there were two kind of main points about the bag check thing that that didn't make sense to me. One, she presented it as a a recent issue, which it's not. Like bag no. check policies have been around for like like I've said on Twitter 20, at least at there, least 25 years because I've been do I've been having to deal with it since like the well, mid to late 80s. Well, was there any indication of about how old she was? No, I didn't see. There no, because she was talking about how when this was the same policy when she was a kid. Sure. And she moved to a different place. She thought it was just that on the East Coast and it was yeah. other places. Okay. okay. So she she acknowledged that it's been for a, around for a while and I think that's why she's like, hey, the culture needs to change. Honestly, it sounded well, like her situation, she was like interrupted from talking to the shop owner for the bag surrender policy. So it seems like it was just a rude shop owner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing... The thing that really gets me about this particular article is, she, you know, she she makes a point that she says that the policy is now outdated, and she does make a specific point about, well, I can't, you know, I can't fit a comic book in my purse, so why should I have to surrender my purse? And like sometimes I'm just carrying a clutch, and I'm like, well, there. I mean, first of all, small point. There's smaller shit in comic shops that can be stolen. That's not yep. necessarily a full issue of a comic book, but that's beside the point. The point to me is that. 
a bag check policy is has to be universally enforced. Yes. You cannot selectively pick and choose who you take a bag from. If if a comic book owner were to say, oh, women, you don't have to surrender your purses, but all you guys have to surrender your backpacks, well, then it becomes a problem in the opposite direction. And right? I think her point was feeling boost, like... All they're going to do is give their bag to their girlfriend. It's uh-huh. like, hey, well, I'll keep this guy <laughs> occupied. Yeah. They're not checking well, your while bag. You, while you steal shit. Well, yeah. I think her point was women are more likely to be carrying bags in the first place. Yeah. Potential. I, you know, and I don't feel that. Not, 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 with, you know the, yeah, not with the standard clientele of a comic shop yeah i have seen like when i'm in a comic shop backpacks are routine like the guys that go in there are very likely just buying shit or coming in with a backpack buying shit throwing in the backpack and taking off to go somewhere and that's yeah because nerds carry backpacks around because we all want to have our you know we all want to have our dice and our rpg books books we all want to have our our ds's on us (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it just it felt really it felt really (laughs) off to put a sexist slant on a bag check policy to me i don't necessarily i think it's i think it's faulty logic but i don't think it's off in terms of like there's a lot of people waking up to a lot of sexism. I do think that a bag check policy is not inherently sexist. If That's anything, what I mean by it, right? It's like if anything, women's clothing is inherently sexist. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with the concept that comic shops are not the most welcoming places for women because they're not most of them you know some of them are like I, I'm lucky to go to a shop that's extremely welcoming and comics dungeon yeah yeah um, but but that's not the point like that was not the point she made in the article and the yeah. article just made me I, I, I felt bad for a minute because this got linked by someone who's who's typically um, you know she's she's very feminist and typically has a good head on her shoulders but when I read this article I was I I had to take a minute and I'm, I reread it again and I'm like, this seems really dumb to me. Is it dumb? And then I asked a few people and everybody who I talked to was like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> so I was just like... So I'd like to point out a couple of resources relevant. Okay. Uh, one is Hater Free Wednesdays, which is a big uh, countrywide listing of shops that are basically friendly and not non-shitty that's cool to women to people of color to a variety of other stuff uh and then also the valkyries specifically t- uh comic shops that have female employees oh yeah i've and, seen the valkyries yeah. before yeah so hater free wednesdays and valkyries are two things to look up if you want to ensure that you're going to go find a shop mm. that you deal well with i think the most important thing is if you're going regularly to actually like get a pull box even if you have like two issues in it like two things that you're subscribed to and talk to the people in your comic shop enough to figure out if you want the pull box there and if you like them yeah exactly if you don't if you if you're not interested in the same stuff if they're assholes if they're like subtle assholes (laughs) then go to a different shop like like the guy that said yeah like the guy that says to me i get back from a deployment I'm asking him, like, hey, the new 52 relaunched. Like, you know, do you have the Dark Knight stuff? And I'm like, I'm looking for issue number five. Well, you know, that was like nine months ago. Well, I'm sorry, fucking buddy, that I wasn't <laughs> in America to pull this fucking this fucking issue number five of Dark Knight, asshole. Like, I never went back there to shop again. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you right. Know, well, you know. Well, you know. Hey, obviously, he's totally being racist, though. <laughs> obviously, I know. Obviously, if we're on issue number 10 and that's issue number five, Dude, obviously, I know it was months ago. You should look you, at him and like, wait, wait. They, they come out every month? <laughs> you mean I have to come back here every I'm month? Like, Dude, I'm that's like, just too much work, man. Yeah, Fuck like, it. I'm 
out. I'm yeah. like, dude, seriously. Like, it's a back do issue. Do you have back issues, yeah. cockknob? <laughs> Come on. What's you, like, going do you on? Only, was, like, what happens after the month is over? Do you just do burn you, everything? Just get rid of everything? Yes. It's uh, so like a Barnes and Noble. They rip the covers off. Fuck it. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah, when a guy says stuff like that, and I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to come here anymore because obviously fucking something's wrong. Yeah, I've had a couple of shops like that where I've walked in and I've tried to, you know, tried to find something and gotten attitude from people and just been like, I'm done here. That was hey, that yeah. happened to me at the comic yeah. stop in Linwood. That's yeah. I don't go back in there really? because the the places the people that work there have all, have just been universally cocky. Hey, do you have? And this? I'm just like, man, fuck off. Hey, do you have this? Did you look? Right? Yeah. No, no, I'm, I didn't. I just I'm came sorry. right to the you counter. Don't want to make a sale? Yeah. That's, my that's my favorite. Okay, this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna relay this one because in the, in that exact vein, it's it's similar to what happens when you walk into a into any store, but it it happened in a comic shop where I walked in and I was looking for a back issue of um I can't remember right now. Oh, it was a back issue of the Sixth Gun way back, and I walked into a comic shop. I went to their back issue wall. I pulled a box out that was the appropriate publisher, appropriate alphabetizing. <laughs> flip, 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 flip. No issues of the sixth gun. So I close it. I went to their new shelf where they had some issues of the sixth gun. And I'm like, flip, flip, flip. Nope, doesn't go back that far. So I walked to the counter. And what I said to the guy was, hey, uh, I looked on your shelf. And I looked in your back issues. And I'm looking for an issue, a copy of sixth gun number, blah, blah, blah. And, he's, and I'm like, do you guys have it? And he's like, uh, and then he turns and he walks over to his back issue shelf and pulls the same fucking box that I just pulled and goes flip, 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 closes it, walks over to the fucking shelf and goes flip, 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 flip. Nope, we don't got it. I'm like, fuck. Because I'm specifically asking you if you have it in a place that I haven't already looked. I did not need you to go look in the places I already looked. Because obviously you conveyed that you were an idiot who could not properly search for comics in a Right. At this point anymore, if I go to a store and something like that happens and be like, hey, look, I'm looking for this comics called Action Comics Number 1. Not many people have heard about it. It's got the first appearance of this guy called Superman. I think he's going to be a big deal. Do you have one here on the shelf? Yeah, I don't know. I to wrap that up. I think I just think that it it's it sucks in some ways that articles like this come out bec- um, and get traction with people because I feel like it's um, diverting from actual issues and actual discussion yeah. to some degree when. And but people will jump on it because it's a hot button issue, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. sex sexism being a thing, everybody's like, "Yeah, that is really fucking sex." I can't believe. It. And then people who actually think about the shit they read are like, "No, that's kind of dumb, actually." Yeah. And there's other issues there's that we should be talking play, about. But it's not. There, there are better <laughs> things to discuss. There are actual it's issues to discuss. Exactly. Uh, so before we were recording, I you know asked the group. I was like, "Hey guys, just out of curiosity." Like this is a dumb article, right? And I'm not just some sort of monster. It's the you're, last thing I want. You're a monster. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to be like, yeah, guys, this article is bullshit. What do you think about it? And just silence yeah. from other, everyone else. Yeah. Maybe Anne punching me in the face. And she's you know, like, you're part of the problem. 
and the and the thing oh, is, but you are. is my comment. In a different way. <laughs> my comment on the Facebook when Luke posted this was Al Sharpton because he's known for this. Where if there's any kind of thing that has to do with a black person, he'll come up and trumpet it. And it's like, well, like it's some kind of issue, and it actually turns out that the black person is at fault, and he will not back down from it. He just likes anything with black people. It's like, oh, this is my perfect chance to to come out on this issue. Yeah, and it's it's a non-issue, you know, and and. On top of that, that's it seems like, especially with the Internet, that's how things are going. And you have to temper yourself against that. Like Fox News is the number one. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I will take a little bit of stupid overreactive feminism if it means that the non-stupid, non-overreactive feminism is heard. But I also understand it waters down the message. Yeah. Yeah. And but that you're exactly right. But you also have to have a filter so you don't. Am I right for life? Yeah. <clears throat> you just have <laughs> okay. uh, three people just looked up and be like, "What the fuck did you just say?" I will cut you. <laughs> so the other thing that we we wanted to talk about at the beginning of this show was the the Marvel announcements that have happened over the last few days. Uh, the two big ones that everyone is talking about, of course, are um, Thor is a woman. Thor uh, is becoming a woman, the female female character, and uh, Sam Wilson, aka Falcon, is taking over as Captain America. Now, f- first first short note that I want to bring up is that like right before the Captain America announcement, for about a week, they had this picture floating around that had a whole bunch of Captain America side characters and then a blank thing in the middle and who's taking over did anyone actually think it wasn't going to be Sam did any was there any single person who was like I wonder who it's going to be and because the moment I saw that I'm like oh it's going to be Sam especially with the movie out right now and Sam being it's like of course it's going to be Sam I actually thought it was going to be Thor <laughs> Female Thor is Captain. Yeah. No, 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 no. Thor becomes Captain America, so, so someone needs to pick up. Needs to pick his spot. Yeah. Okay. okay. No, I actually kind of like the whole uh, female Thor as Captain America no, with no, Mjolnir no, and be... the shield at yeah. the same time. Oh, yeah. She can block, in Iron Man suit. She can strike and defend. Yeah. Um, there's a bad history from Marvel when uh, Shield becomes Hammer. Just to let you know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's right. That's right. Good I'm. Point. I don't. I. The internet exploded and everyone freaked out. And everyone freaked out. In and really kind of stupid ways. Because yeah. there's the one group that's freaking out because <gasps> Thor can't possibly be female. I'm going to hide Thor can be a frog. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so here's Thor, Thor can be a horse-faced alien. Yeah, Beta so Ray Bill. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, does, that part that Anne was just mentioning makes no sense. Because a lot of people, and the people that think this are the people that have watched the Thor movies These and are, think that they know everything about Thor. And I, I, don't, I, I have to explain to someone. And well... I had to explain to someone that the hammer is belongs to Thor, but it's not necessarily bound to Thor. It's whoever yeah. it's it's whoever, whoever is worthy is worthy to pick up the hammer, and it's a transformative thing. Power, yeah. right? Right. That's and why the whole uh, uh, Donald Blake thing, right. right? With the original Thor was exactly. just some dude who found and picked up the hammer and turned into Thor. Thor. There is also the other segment of this community, for some reason, who is like, that's not Norse mythology. And, and it's like, what part of see, Thor as a comic book is North, Norse see, mythology? They stole the characters. Like, the, and yeah. the paper was written from Yggdrasil's branches yeah. themselves. Well, because like, there's, there's, this is the same group of people that flipped the fuck out when Idris Elba played Heimdall. 
Heimdall. Right. It, right. It's like, oh, God, how could they put a Norse character and have him be a black guy? Black, black. Like, it's just so fucking stupid. It's like a, it's a fucking comic book. It's mythology. It, it's, it's mythology You can do whatever. I, right now, I could, yeah. I could take the character Hercules and make up my own story. Black Hercules? <laughs> because it's, it's because done. it's mytho- I was gonna say, but because it's mythology, and yeah, and you can. And that's 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 what how the writer, uh, like every time a writer takes over Superman or Batman or something, they write that character in the way they want to write that character because it's because comic books are a form of mythology. I've got this great idea, right? So what I'm gonna do is there's this, this guy, and he does a lot of good in the world. But he was born in you know the Middle East. I'm going to make him a white guy. <gasps> yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I, <laughs> talking from a social justice angle, though, the other thing about Norse mythology is traditionally the Norse people have never been oppressed. Yeah, they yeah, have not they're, been they're, like erased by another yeah. society. They're they real rapey. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They pillage, right? They're Vikings. They, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a warrior culture. It's Northlanders. a warrior culture that believed in warrior women anyway with the Valkyries. So well, somebody. What, so it's like I don't understand. I don't understand what the problem. Is. Somebody else also made a really good point on, online then they said that you know if, if you're gonna bitch that it's not that it doesn't fit with Norse mythology well the whole concept of good versus evil doesn't really fit right. with Norse mythology either <laughs> good That's good true. guys and bad guys are not a thing there not a thing. okay Every- so I have, I have a question for you so I noticed a lot of people commenting on her outfit and how sexist her outfit is. That's it's a terrible design for armor because what it would do is it would lead it's, to it's a weapon same, s- stabbing someone in the heart. It's the same design. No, it's I, the I same totally armor, understand the that, but armor. they said the armor sexist. I don't think it's, it's sexist. It's comic booky. Like yeah, it's standard. I think it's poor design. It's very poor design. The, the whole the yeah, whole true. breast cup thing on armor is has always been stupid. I, like it's. I like shiny boobs. If, if it's a full plate, shiny boobs make sense. It looks yeah. very similar to the flat the plate, armor. Right? If it was yeah. a flat Somebody plate, made like, a very you know, good like yes, yeah. I understand there needs to be space for breasts in, you know, a, a woman's yeah. piece of armor. However, it, they don't need to be isolated because that is it, just it, a well, terrible design Also, that would be wicked uncomfortable. I'm just saying. Like, chaffage. There are plenty it, it of... It just appears to me that whenever, whenever like, a female comic book character comes out, if she shows any amount of skin, then people are like, oh, that's sexist. They're totally I think that, playing that's up her pyramid. It is getting to that point. I don't think that her outfit is... It's just Thor. It's, it's, yeah, it's just Thor. It's, and it's, yeah. I mean, it, okay. it's a stupid armor design, and people know that now. Because there there have been, I wish, I need to find the art there. I'll see if I can find a link to the article about this from about a year and a half ago where somebody was very specifically, like, an armor expert very specifically talked about how breast cup armor would cave in the breastbone if somebody got hit in the chest by it. Yeah. And if then showed does, a bunch yeah. of pictures of, like, even not, like, not only pictures of actual medieval armor, but like um, recreations of it for movies and stuff. Like the Joan of Arc movie that came out with, was it Mila Jojovich? Yeah, Mila Jojovich. She's got like very traditional medieval armor, like female armor that does have room for boobs, but does not have boob cups. And is like for a shelf bra here, people. Yeah, and so it's. It's a stupid design, but it's but whatever. It's it looks it's like Thor, Thor and yeah. I mean Thor is not the most no no okay. Thor is just a really cheesy character in a way. Yeah. Like I mean, but even Thor is a all man the Marvel dignities are, are 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 all the Marvel folks are getting more dignity and more like characterization as we get into like the more modern age of comics. Nevertheless, Thor's always been pretty like highfalutin and 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 cheesy. So okay, I have a so- question. Okay, for go, for go. you guys, because there is a segment of the internet that um, is is 
there's even a full article that I read called, um, and the title of the article is, uh, a female Thor and a black Captain America aren't enough. And there's a segment talking about how, um, there's a lot of people talking about how, A, with Thor specifically, why didn't they just bring one of the female characters that already exists like to Sif. prominence, like Sif or Valkyrie or something, which to some degree I can understand because there are powerful female characters in those universes that they could have just brought to prominence. I think it's a branding thing, and I'll get to that later. But yeah. um, And then there's a segment also that's like, oh, why didn't they just make, you know, why didn't they just make, you know, Falcon more prominent? Or why didn't they just, you know, b- bring a... Uh, make a black character come into his own without having to have a, uh, you know, the background of a white character to, to bring him to prominence. And it's like, I don't really think that either of those so, is an no. issue. I, 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 so I see a couple of things on that. Like I can see their point at the same time coming from a history of comics and America, which means it's going to be inherently sexist and racist. And I honestly think they're doing the best they can with what they have. And I sure. also think there's a ton of indie comics. Here I am on my little indie comic soapbox. Or like things that are one step more independent than Big Two, like Image, that are coming out with a lot of really cool stuff. And yeah. frankly, right now, the Marvel Universe is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, please go well, read Ms. Marvel and <laughs> She-Hulk. So and She-Hulk. A- from a logical standpoint, too. Okay, so the the female Thor thing. Yeah, there's plenty of female characters they could have brought to prominence. But I would like to see a Sif book because Sif is pretty Sif cool. is pretty cool. Loki was a woman for a while before this too. Yeah. Sure, yeah. right. Yeah. But the the thing the thing about this issue is that it was a perfect opportunity with Thor for them to take a, to have a frankly a logical reason to have a female Thor because you look at other characters and it's just a costume change. So right, we, right, but. In this instance, they've got a they've got rules in place in their mythology for having a female character pick up the hammer and become that yeah. character. Guys, right? I, I have a really dumb or good question. Um, so th- this is a new character who's assuming Thor's mantle, right? I don't actually know. See, that's yeah. the thing. I don't know yeah. if it, it maybe it. See, my thought was is is like Valkyrie the one that's ending up with the hammer and becoming but, Thor? I don't know. No, but just follow so, me through this, right? Like they they have the the role of Thor. They're holding uh-huh. the hammer. Maybe that's just what the book's called, and that's not what they're going to be called. Because if you start yeah, who knows? a new you know, Thor book with a woman, no one knows, then no one's going to buy it. I think Jason Aaron was pretty specific in terms of being like, this will be Thor, you guys. Yeah. But it's the mantle Thor. of Thor is yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not for a long time. Because I guess the reason why is because uh, Thor loses an arm. And he can't wield Mjolnir anymore. Here's one of the things that baffles me about the comic book fandom. And that is... That there are, there's a segment of the community that's like, well, I don't, you know, it's fine, I guess, that you put Sam Wilson in Cap's outfit, but I just don't think that goes far enough. And and yet, Miles Morales was huge. <laughs> they were like, fuck yeah, we finally got a half Hispanic, half black character that's like Spider Man. I can trust him. You know, it's like it's this amazing thing. And now they're doing. Now people are just like, oh, well, it's just not enough. Just can't, yeah. It's too little, too late, Marvel. Fuck off. And I don't get that because yeah, Sam Wilson of the the Sam Wilson storylines like the, I mean, I hate the reason why Cap is down, but it's the most logical progression for that book, right? Yeah. It's the same thing as like like any Batman book, right? It's like Dick Grayson taking over for Bruce Wayne when Bruce Wayne was out of commission is just a thing that happened. And people and it frankly it was a really fucking good storyline and it was really awesome. Better than Azil. And yeah, right. Yeah. And S- Sam Wilson has been 
uh, the big one of the biggest characters in the cat books forever and makes sense for him to take over. Yeah. I don't know. I just these, order of progression type. Yeah, it, yeah. these yeah. both seem it's like, like uh, really Maria Hill taking over for um, Nick Fury. Yeah, as director of Shield. It's, these all seem yeah. like pretty cool moves in in favor of Marvel, especially when you've got guys like Rick Remender and Jason Aaron writing them. And honestly, I think that there's going to be some missteps as more people are actually reading comics. I think overall, yeah. it's yeah. completely heading in the right direction, and that may seem weird because there's the stuff of like someone misreads yeah. Cap and is like, oh my god, there was you know sex with an underage character. Oh. It's terrible. No, if you read it, she's 23. And making her own choices, obviously. But, yeah. but you know, like, that stuff will happen as more people read the comics. And that's okay with me. Because, and I think- <laughs> like, we're headed in the right direction. There will eventually, it, I truly believe in my heart, there will eventually be a comics community that is more inclusive that sort of like naturally involves people that is are as diverse as yeah, people yeah. are in the world and there also will be a group of a contingent of bros so for the last two weeks we have been reading the first four issues of Lazarus I actually brought all the first six because I got it in Singleton I don't have the trade but uh, Lazarus is a post-apocalyptic, uh, an interesting post-apocalyptic sci-fi book by uh, by Greg Rucka and Michael Lark. Greg Rucka, everyone knows, has you know done some amazing things like Gotham Central and Stumptown, uh, Stump which we've done on the show, and Queen also? and Country and Whiteout. And or did did, was it Punisher or Wolverine stuff? Uh, both, I think. Rucka has done both. Yeah. Okay. Also, I, I don't know if I'd say it's post-apocalyptic as much as. Uh, Cyberpunk? It's totally post-apocalyptic. It's, they show ruined cities. There has been cities. an apocalyptic there, there are, yeah, event ha- got us to this point. It's not... So here's the thing. Remember the, Chicago. This is, this is actually an issue that I wanted to bring up because um, there are a ton of different kinds of apocalypses, right? There's And there's all kinds of different ones that, that are talked about in fiction. And um, some of them are like... Uh, well, nuclear. Nuclear, nuclear, biohazard, yeah, like zombie type apocalypses, um, natural disasters, kaiju's. Natural disasters is a big one. There's also one that doesn't get explored a hell of a lot, which is um, which is economic apocalypse, right? Where society just crashes because it has reached uh, a a point where you know, yeah, a critical mass mass, and and crashes. And that's what I think this book is about. We've done the J-curve of population one. I mean, I guess Why the Last Man was a little bit that sort of. Yeah. Because like like the massive is an interesting combination of the natural disaster apocalypse and the economic apocalypse where the natural disaster causes economic, worldwide economic fallout, right? Um, And as opposed to something like uh, Independence Day, which is an alien attack apocalypse or... Walking um, Dead. Right. Um, Or... um, Pacific Rim. Fuck, what am I trying to think of? No. um, Goddamn asteroid movie fucking... uh, Armageddon. Like, Jesus Christ. Armageddon. Or Deep Impact. impact. Things like that. Uh, Start singing some uh, Aerosmith. That'll remind you. And I think think one of the things that... <laughs> That's one of the reasons why, like the massive, and I love post-apocalyptic stories. I love so them. Do I. Love them. That's one of the reasons why I'm like one of my favorite movie, recent movies in a long time is the Book of Eli. Um, it is just 
a fantastic post-apocalyptic world that I really enjoy, want to see more in. Um, Mad Max. Mad Max is good. Yeah. Death Race 2000. (laughs) His name is Frankenstein. (laughs) The massive... Um, and Lazarus are, are wildly different in the way they handle their apocalypses. And both of them are kind of a fresh take on the genre to me. Which um, is cool, because yeah. that doesn't always happen. Yeah. One of the things that just caught me right off the bat about Lazarus was how, I mean, Rucka, anybody who's listened to Rucka talk for more than five minutes knows how politically active he is like he's he's got he's he's very opinionated about the world and the way that it's going and the things that are happening in it and um he infuses all of his work with those opinions and that and that kind of like um political bent and in this one you could definitely you definitely feel the um the effects of income inequality on a on, on an apocalyptic scale, the right? society is uh, sur- uh, based on families, of mm-hmm. which there are several. Feudal, yeah. it's feudal, right? There's serfs, and then there's everyone else who waste. are called waste, and it's usually about one family per three-ish serfs, depending on the area, to ten thousand waste-ish. Um, Ooh, ratio. Yeah, and uh, we see two. Main families, family Carlisle. What's the other family? Morales. Moray, maybe? Moray. Moray. And you can tell that governments have totally broken down. Um, this seems to be taking place in like roughly southwest, west U.S. and a little bit of I Mexico. I think Cal- it's Cal- California. Mexico. California. It's like Southern California. California, yeah. SoCal. Well, well the, uh, the Carlisle family is in Seattle. That's but, right. The Carlisles, and then they have it, a, it's the it's the West Coast. I feel like they've taken over most of the West Coast. West Coast. Yeah, West Coast, it's the West Coast, and then the Moray family is more Southern California, yeah. Mexico, and that area. It all I don't know. It vaguely reminds me of Japanese feudalism because there is sort of because of the Lazarus thing. Uh, what the Lazarus is is there's like one person per family that is like the the family assassin, kind weapon. of mm. the family weapon, and their deal is like the name would suggest um, when they die. They come back. And I thought that the mechanic was good because the effects were really obvious, but it wasn't and it wasn't really explained necessarily and it didn't really need to be. Like you see enough of the background to see, you know, the people that are monitoring the Lazarus's bio signs in the in the yeah. basement. Um but so I feel I feel like it was natural in the world, and I totally believed it, and I didn't necessarily need more explanation than that yet. Yeah, yeah. I, come, I, I, I think it's <clears throat> something that they'll get into. Yeah. But they won't like. The nice thing about the first arc is it puts you in this world, and it doesn't really explain anything. Like it, it, it take it does not take the uh, reader's intelligence for granted. It just says you're smart enough to figure this out. Here's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. only um, Which is narrative captions and little boxes really just say where and how many of each cast basically are in, yeah. in the area, which I think is really effective. Yeah. And there's a whole economy involved too from it because the Carlisle is very agricultural based. So they have all the different strains of um, crop <clears throat> agriculture and crop butter that, and guns yeah that they trade in, in for guns from the moray family because they're more arms related 
and and that's that's the basis of the war that they're having between each other is because they're shutting each other off and the carlisle's like hey we won't sell you the seed so you can feed your family and you guys are just going to destroy and self implode if um if you don't take this so we'll take some of your guns and tanks if you do this trade uh, the one thing I really enjoyed too was the whole family infighting too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So because that's the one thing with royal families, there's always a power struggle between the father and all the all the the family members. Heirs. Yeah, the siblings and whatnot. There's a lot of cool hints dropped in just these four issues about like things that will happen in the future. We know that that um, the name of the Carlisle Lazarus, the main character, whose name I'm blanking, forever, ever, ever, forever, forever, yeah. Uh, forever Lazarus, eh? 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 Um, like, we know she's not the biological daughter of family Carlisle. Right. And, like, yeah. something else has happened, but in the first four issues, we don't know yet. I, I'm... I've always been a fan of this kind of, like, in addition to the apocalypse story, the, the, the storyline of, um, somebody who has been a loyal servant to some, you know, family or organization for a long time is finally seeing behind the veil yep. and choosing to question, you know, who they've been serving. That, Cormac the yeah. Templar in Diablo 3. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, these kinds of storylines are just some of my favorite in comic books, and, and Rucka really delivers on this yeah. one. Like The pacing is so good. Yeah. The... Like you, you guys were talking about how you know they they drop the reader in and just let them figure it out, which is something that doesn't happen anymore. Like uh, enough in fiction in general, and it's something that I remember. Um, I, I I keep coming back to this because it somehow keeps ending up being relevant. That writers panel, the Nerdist writers panel that I went to it at Emerald City, that Rucka was on, and he was, and I think we talked about this on the show before, but he was talking about that one of the things that he hates more than anything in fiction is what he called the dumb stick. <laughs> which meant that some character in a scene had to be holding the dumb stick to explain it to the reader or the viewer. And he, the one he used was uh, an episode of Star Trek where, like, Riker, <laughs> who is the fucking second in command of a starship, had to ask some stupid-ass question about, like, warp capabilities or something. And it's like... Remind me how our warp engine exactly, works Exactly, right? And it's <laughs> like... And, bro. And You're a commander. Seriously. <laughs> Come on. That'd be amazing. Like, <laughs> I slept my way through the academy, yeah, thank like, you very much. No, bro. like I can see it now, right? So like, it would have been a great like writing twist if Riker would have asked that question and then someone's like, How did you get this job? <laughs> right. Like, seriously, this is like first day academy like, stuff. Call out the dumb stick. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I I was glad to hear I'm glad to hear writers talk about that because of the fact that I fucking hate that too. Yeah. One of the things that I hate more than anything in the world is in movies when they will have a setup scene at the beginning that foreshadows something that happens later in the movie and then that thing happens later in the movie yeah, and instead of just letting it happen they they will in almost every time now have a fucking flashback to what happened earlier in the movie. I'm like, dude, it was only 45 minutes ago. Did Give you me a little credit. this foreshadowing? Here it is I'm again. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> 15 minutes, I'm like a fucking goldfish. Like, 45 <laughs> minutes, like, I don't even remember what we talked about at the beginning of the show. <laughs> kind of a side point, though, that's kind of the reason why I like Cabin in the Woods, is because yeah. those characters, like, okay, this is the... We're calling out the dumb stick. This is what usually happens, and they actually use that as a as a yeah as a plot device throughout the whole movie. Okay, so I have to I have something to bring up, and this is one thing that bothered me. See if you guys 
if it bothered you too. Now, what Luke was talking about, how the the actualization of Forever is probably going to come out, where she's like questioning who she's working against, and that's the one thing that kind of stuck in my craw through the through the entire book is that okay, so everybody understands that she's not real family. And she's the only one that doesn't realize this, but everybody else doesn't. What, why is this such a big issue? Why did they have to make her a family member in the first place? Because they wanted to see the effects of if a Lazarus was raised as a actual, you know. I think they all are, though, because um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to because she's. I think she's that'll not, be explained. All later. the families are are biological except her, and then there's like a there's actually in the trade there's a four. A little um, Four preview. Page mini story. Yeah, the mini story where they're talking about like, hey, don't you have any problems treating Lazarus as a, you know, as your sibling? It's like, no, it serves a purpose. She keeps it keeps her loyal, yeah. and the whole thing is through this. It, it makes such a big deal about her being family, but not, her not knowing it, and maybe that's going to be changing her. Well, I think that's setting her up to betray them because, yeah. for one thing, she has more genuine connection with the other family's Lazarus. Yeah. Because yeah, she does. They've with got Joaquin. more in common. Because they treat her well. But, I mean, there, there are families without biological siblings in them all the time. True. Stepbrothers and, and an adopted I kids. I think that's part of the dystopian nature of this world. It's part of... It's it's calling out, I think, the... the um, the kind of feudal nature it's like par- running a parallel to medieval feudalism in those instances where um like a medieval family would have uh like a knight errant enforcer yeah. that got most of the you know he was seen as part of the family by everybody on at the bottom end right like yeah. serfs and, and waste in this would see those knight errant as you know having the authority of the family yeah. but they were still not afforded the respect that the family members would get in that feudal society. And I think that's kind of where this is this yeah. is running with the, the, the Lazari. This is, that's the whole reason why you have barons and, it's and a gaggle and whatnot. It's a, it's a gaggle of Lazarus. Sure. <laughs> it's a gaggle of Lazarus. No, it's a, a murder. A resurrection of It's, it's a murder. A murder yeah. of Lazarus. I, I just know that this is going to be a major plot point when mm-hmm. she realizes that she's not a family member and it's going to totally destroy her world. Well, I think she's being asked <sighs> to do increasingly fucked up things um, and do increasingly morally gray things. Yeah. And I think the thing that her reigns are basically the fact that she thinks she's she's part of... But but they say in this a couple times that she is biologically um, compelled to obey their orders. So if yeah, she's what's it, up with that? <laughs> if she can't if she can't resist those orders anyways, and she's just going to falsely go with them, then why then why have the whole the whole um, facade because, of her being so family in the be- first place? Because it it is another measure of control that prevent prevents her from actively seeking out ways to uh, bypass that biological imperative right yeah. like because there's there that's another it's thing another that's, layer of protection yeah and okay. that's that's a thing that happens in a in a lot of fiction I, I mean I'll I guess I, maybe it's a trope but it's it's a thing where um, you have a character who has some sort of um, imperative that they must follow in order to maintain their status and and uh so someone can maintain control over them and the story is about them breaking that barrier and i think that's just in this the the facade of becoming part of the family is part of their control right it's part of their protections (laughs) 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 okay i get the point 
Uh, it's just one of those things where I can I can see for myself if this comes up, just like and forever you are not our bio, you're not actually our sister, and she's you're like, not my real dad. Yeah, and she's like, well, eh, okay. Well, it's funny well, too because I have scene stuck in my head. Luke holding his chopped off hand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not my real dad. <laughs> they have a hand chopping off scene in this book. They I'll do. never join you. <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. We... Okay. I just wanted to get that out because that's the one thing that kind of rang false with me. And I was wondering. I almost wish we had read the first two trades because when I wanted to do this show, I wanted to do the first six to eight issues. Yeah. Um, Because the first four definitely gives you that that like little taste of what's going on. But but man, the first the the fifth and sixth issues, it's like it gets real. Oh, it really, really pulls it together. Really? Because I haven't read the fifth and sixth. I haven't either. And I'm curious because I mean, don't don't spoil it. But I'm assuming some of the issues that we've brought up see some payoff, or at least see some some advancement. Yeah, yeah. No resolution, but advancement. Yeah, I get the feeling there's not going to be resolution to a lot of this stuff for quite a long time, um, which is fine by me because um, is this an ongoing or does it have a planned arc? Uh, or both. I, I think it's a little of both. I think it's it's probably thirty some issues. I get yeah. the impression that it's sixth gunny where they okay. they have a like I'm sure Rucka has an ending in mind. Yeah, and it will write will write it as long as Image will let him write it. Yeah, you know. I don't. Um, I don't think that Rucka has ever done like an ongoing ongoing book. Queen and Country had a, was that a, it, a that, set? that is a very distinct. Okay. Like he he's done more stuff with it. But he's like written arcs within ongoing books, yeah. but, but mm. not just of his own. I I would see this. I could see this going anywhere between thirty and sixty issues, mm. uh, depending on how much Ruck, Ruck has got planned. But it's um, like the reason why I say that issues five and six are important, and uh, is that um, like Andy says, like a lot of the stuff that you know, you you kind of end this trade on a. What the fuck note? On a, on a yeah, like it's not necessarily a cliffhanger. It's just a what the shit. And then um, issues five and six really kind of like ram it home and make you be like, all right, I'm I'm reading this book forever. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like, mean, because she kind of <laughs> she starts to figure it out because she gets attacked by her own house guard, you know, mm-hmm. and it it's a, makes it a little obvious that somebody within her own house does not like her. That's one of the things that I'm really interested to see where this book leads because of the fact that not only is there the story of Forever's um, you know, potential defiance uh, of her family, but with the infighting between the siblings of the family in and mm-hmm. of itself, it's kind of in, it'll be interesting to see um, where she sides with that because she's you know it it feels like forever as a character is torn not only between whether or not she should even be f- serving the family in the first place, mm-hmm. which is why her little scene with Joaquin in the in the desert is like whoa is she gonna is she gonna betray the Carlisles as a whole, mm. but also is torn between like she's getting. Um, thrown into the middle of a of the dispute between the brother and sister yep. and it it's it'll be interesting to see if she finally decides to side with one of them or to protect the family as a whole from their bullshit as opposed to i don't know maybe using their bullshit mm. to her own end to help she could you know totally against the against family right so mm. it's it's there's a there's a lot of depth to this comic that I don't see very often in comics anymore that um, not only like there's 
there's a lot to think about. It's mm-hmm. a it's a very thinky comic book. That's mm-hmm. just great. It's a yeah. very thinky comic book. I like thinking when I read the books. Um, I like I'm, the pictures. Speaking of the artwork, um, Rucka and Lark have worked together in the past. I think Lark actually did a run on Gotham Central. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, I'm I'm big fan. I'm a big fan. It's I super effective for the world. Like yeah. His, his art matches very nicely. His art is like this interesting mix. It, it's like um, it's like dead square between like a Wildstorm type style yeah. and. Um, uh, Sean Phillips, uh, like criminal like noir stuff, yeah, and it is it is like Anne said, it's just super effective. Like, what do you guys think about the art? Talk about the the drawer, Joel. Oh my god! <laughs> um, Talk about the drawer. I don't know. I I just wasn't too impressed with it. To really? tell you the truth, yeah. Who, if you could pick a different artist for this book, who would you pick? I mean, it's. I don't, I don't know. I think it's just the art style. I don't have a... I'm not a big drawer fan. So, um, <laughs> god damn it. So, it's, uh, it's Back just... Back up your point more effectively. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a... I, I, it's just a feeling that I have that I don't really like this. Uh, like how the faces looked. It, it they have wasn't, a photographic quality to them. They do have a... They do have a photo... I, I think it's more of a the shading effect that has it and there's sometimes that some of the faces are kind of messed up mostly in the first issue and those kind of get um resolved but there uh, most of the time i can't really figure out who's who really interesting because i felt i felt very differently i think the characters are all very identifiable and unique and i think I think one of the things that I really like about the the artwork in this book is that it's not a it's not a super actiony like like Wildstorm type. It's right. not a super actiony thing like Capullo or anything like that. Where I think an art style like that would would actually take away from this story. Um, whereas I think Lark's art adds a humanity to the characters that yeah. is necessary to make you care about like forever and the plight of the of the characters in the story. And so I'll talk about the colors just for one second. It's a uh, Santi Arcus. Is that how it's pronounced? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I really like the use of cool tones specifically for um, various shots. And if you'll notice, most of the action takes place in the desert and the, the color palette is switched yeah. to like a, a warmer, like... When there's dialogue going on, normally it's got a lot of blues and greens and stuff like that, and it's just it's very smart in my opinion. Yeah, yep. it's not a um, it's not a photorealistic color. No, coloring. not at all. It's, it's definitely of of you know very tonal, and it adds. If if it were colored photorealistically, I would not like the art half as much as I do because the mood is set yep. so nicely by the color. So I really actually can't say anything about the art that kind of hasn't been said. It's my favorite part of the book. I I really enjoy it. Uh, I think there's beautiful transitions from the beginning where uh, she's in, like, I guess, the uh, facility and the people breaking the facility. And and then um, the change in the temperament of how it looks to where she's being examined. Sort of like what Andy was saying, as far as, like, each scene where the scenes are different. You uh, you can obviously tell they're in a different setting, and the temperament of the room and the shading and the colors are changed uh-huh. to allow you as the reader to feel that temperament. Um, I didn't, I wasn't talking about I didn't get talked about it earlier because you guys were raving about it. <laughs> my uh, my problem with the book is um, I I found it to be quite cliche and predictable. 
um, there wasn't really, I was never really surprised by anything. I kind of, I was reading yeah. and I was kind of like, oh, oh yeah, that's going to happen. And then like there was a page I was on. I was like, oh, I bet you I know what happens in the next page. Oh yeah. that Like I, I doesn't, there's, I mean, I've, we've read a lot of stuff and I read a lot of, and I read a lot of monthly stuff and, um, I, there was no point at which I was really shocked and really like, oh, I want to know what happens next because I was kind of like already predicting it and already kind of knowing what was next. That's why I feel like maybe they jumped the gun on the trade and it should have been the first six issues instead of the first four. Hmm. Because I can see where you're coming from. I, I don't necessarily... I, I, I Yeah, you know, I guess I can see where you're coming from. For me... The world is vibrant enough that it keeps me interested, mm. um, and the character, and I love the character of Forever Carlisle. Um, but it definitely one of the things that I really think is going to be a is going to be pretty cool going forward is that he does he does kind of go very linear. The first four issues very linear. There's you know it's you you see the setup, you see what's going to happen, and then once you get past this trade, it's like he kind of takes a left turn with a couple of things. Mm-hmm. And that's where you finally see, you know, you have all this setup that makes you comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. You're very, you're comfortable in the world. You understand forever. You understand her plight. And then all of a sudden, uh, you don't really understand what's go- what the fuck's going on anymore <laughs> or what's going to happen. Because they bring in, um, there's two things. There's One, some curveballs. There's, there's a curveball with um, forever has to deal with somebody who's, who's breaking into a Carlisle um, uh, storage facility to steal some things and the way that she deals with it and the and the way that you huh. have to the way that she follows through on it is very interesting this is and an then, issue five yeah uh, five and six that's I think. interesting because issue one starts with the exact same situation yeah mm. um so i guess that well, I mean, like, there's some I, development changed. yeah yeah i knew okay like for example the first scene where uh the 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 sister jana or jonah and, uh, yeah, I and don't the remember. brother. Uh, I'm super bad with names. I can't so. remember the brother's name because James is the like scientist, mm-hmm. right? But uh, the first scene where they appear, just the tone of his of the writing of that character, I was like up slime ball. Like I was like, you know, like <laughs> well, like, and I think that's intentional. And I think right? that was yeah. intentional. And then like when I the sister, I was like, oh, not femme fatale, but. Um, Kind of Clim- climbing, but but political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, under underhanded, underhanded female in the family who's going to try to get to the top by yeah. not by indirect action. Yeah, uh, and then who barely wears any clothes through the entire book. And yeah, I would and be. Like, it even got to the point where I knew I that sh- that they were going to murder the 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 um. The guy who put her robe on, I was like, they're gonna kill this dude. Yeah, like I was like, <laughs> and then I, the next scene, it's like, oh, have Mason visit that dude because he's heard too much. I'm like, seriously, like, yeah, it was. And then, um, I, I even, would be willing to bet that those tropes get turned on their head later in this book, just because I, I know so. how, just because I know how Rucker writes. Yeah. Like, if that's the case, then you are correct that the the trade being four issues is a disservice. Yeah, you know? it's it's really and weird because the answer really was weird. exactly the same. Well, it's way a little too. cheaper too. It's only ten. But the answer so was only a four, four issue trade. Issue. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, but after reading the answer and then this one, I was like, wait, that 
That's it. There's only there's no more. It's like, yeah, because is this the new thing that we're getting trades with only four issues and then a lot of filler in the end? Because one of the things that one of the things about this particular book too is that it doesn't feel yet. Now, admittedly, they're only on issue eight or nine, but it doesn't feel like he's doing traditional comic book arcs like a lot of things do, where it's like there are this number of issues that tell this part of the story, and then we wrap that up and start something new. It feels like he's it's doing just, hero's journey. Yeah, he. It feels like he's just. Telling a story at his pace and whatever that pace is going to be is is it, which means that there wasn't any particular reason aside from marketing to make a four issue trade, right? Because I don't feel like the ending of this trade is resolution. any kind of resolution or story wrap up. No. Um, I feel like they could have in, made a six issue trade and had it been, um, and it would have been. Um, it would have been much better at hooking people like you, Eddie, who who do feel that it's a little predictable and a little linear. I feel like if you, if five and six had been included, then guys like you who read it would would be like, oh, this is kind of neat, but it's not so great. And then all of a sudden, five and six, you'd be like, oh, okay, now. I'm what if there's right? Maybe okay. it's an issue of like the next arc that. Um, so let's say five and six, you know, done. Seven done. Eight done. Nine done. All of a sudden, there's some major event at the end of nine. Where if they made this a six issue trade, then the next one would be a three issue trade. They couldn't pace the next one. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Maybe I guess I don't know. If we're I spitballing just... about structure, here's my spitball. I think it's going to be forty issues. Um, okay. I think this is roughly the first ten percent because I think that he's following like I like Hero's I journey. said, hero's journey, and I think this was the uh, this was the ordinary world, and the event right at the end is the inciting incident, basically. Uh, I can see that. I can see that. I um I love this book. It's it's one of my it's one of my top 5 right now. It's one of my favorite books and it's most and primarily because um I love Ruck's characterizations. I love the world that he's built. The world is so fascinating to me the way that, you know, um you know, things of society has collapsed and and basically devolved back into a feudal feudal structure and uh, the way that he manages to modernize a feudal structure is so much better than the way that I've seen it happen in other forms of entertainment. I've seen it done in movies occasionally, and it's usually really dumb. Um, but Rucka just kind of nails his world building. Yes. Um, and there are other books that I've read that I would recommend because um, the story is so fantastic but there are weaknesses in the world building and stuff. And I find the opposite here where the story is good. I don't think it's spectacular, but the world building is so fantastically good that it makes up for the shortfalls in the story. And I think, and I trust Rucka's writing, right? Like I trust him to take this in a direction that, that um, makes, makes it, live up to the world building in it. He has so. done well in the past. Yeah. We um, don't have the impending doom that is <laughs> reading a Brian K. Bond book. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's so good and it's going to make me sad later. Fucker breaks my heart every time. Uh, so, that being said, uh, let's start with Bye, Borrow, Burn. Go, Andy. Bye. Right, easy. And? Bye. Borrow. 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 Bye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely not a book that anybody would say burn. It's it's no, good enough. It's good. It's no, it good is good enough. enough. So. Inferno. <laughs> it's just a thing. The, the book left, to the left me cold. And if you guys, if you guys say that um, it gets better, the next two issues, then that that shows some hope. But this one, I was like, oh, the big reveal is that uh, you're you're not. 
he's not your something father. that we knew anyway. Yeah, exactly. But it's more about her. No, and oh, she knows now. Oh, shit's gonna happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. shit. <laughs> all right, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy. <laughs> Three buys and two borrows. Uh, I think Lazarus is fantastic, and if if you if you can't buy it, borrow it. Andy, you said you had some books you wanted to recommend for people after yeah, what you I, bought. So I let's finally go got that. to my store. Um, everyone needs to go and read Moon Knight. Seriously, it is oh. fantastic. I think I'm it's really only be excited s- about the creative team. It's it's only going to be like six issues or something like that. But it's Warren Ellis, uh, Declan Shavley, Declan Shavley, and Jordy Blair. And huh. every single issue is self-contained. But if you go to your local store, just grab issue number four and read it. Um, it is the best use of a complete single like issue action scene. Nice. It's just a series of fights. They're just one-offs? <laughs> the, the issues are just one-offs? They're, they're isolated stories. I mean, they're, wow. it's the same world, but you can read them in any order. Yeah, well, yeah. That's cool. That's wow. interesting. Yeah. So would anybody be totally opposed to... I was going to bring this up earlier. Um, there's a Zatanna Black Canary uh, self-contained graphic novel that, hit, that just hit the stores probably maybe a month or two ago. Um, it's not tied into... Like, 52 or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's you know self-contained. Um, would anybody be opposed to switching that? And that's only because... Um, Into from Zatanna Shades of the Past, you mean? or Well, to like the next episode, only because after that, I'm going to have like... I don't know what's going to happen. You'll be gone for a while? Yeah. Right. Like, Wait, where are you so going to be? I'm going to be here, but it's going to be freaking crazy. I got no problem with that. Yeah. 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 So that, I mean, that bringing that up, Lazarus was this episode. We had, we originally had iZombie and Zatanna Shades of the Past scheduled for the next two episodes. Um, and I feel like we had through episode 76 scheduled and I don't remember what we were going to do. Jersey um, Gods. Oh, Jersey Gods was going to be 76. That's right. And then uh, I think we were going to do Velvet yeah. was the other one. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, instead of that, we can do. Do you remember what that trade is called? It's it's oh, crap. Zatanna Black Canary. It's Zatanna Black Zatanna Black Canary. I forget what the actual, but like subtitle. Subtitle mm-hmm. actually is when I I'll, I'll look at it again. And I'll put it on the Facebook. And okay. Then we'll, I'll, so I'll then make sure that everybody knows exactly what it is. We can. So since you're going to be uh, iffy after that, we'll we'll bail on Zatanna Shades of the Past and push that back until you're more comfortable so because that's your book yeah um so then we'll do the zatanna black canary for the next episode Mm -hmm. and then we'll do i zombie after that and then velvet and then jersey gods sounds good and then we already know that for episode 80 we're going to be doing transmetropolitan the we're going to do the long read of the entirety of transmetropolitan yep that's it blood spell black canary zatanna blood spell okay um so now you know what you're now you know what we're doing is there anything anybody else wanted to talk about before i wrap up the show this is how all our conversations of what the next book we're going to read is so that's yes. that's a little bit of insight yeah. into <laughs> yeah. yeah inside baseball uh i i read the second trade of east of west by hickman oh, and so it, it is it is so good it's yeah. so good <laughs> it is so good in campium and also post-apocalyptic yes but, in um, a very different way and yeah i forgot how good a writer hickman is mm. yeah so and uh, Batgirl, Batgirl's getting a semi reboot, um, right? New, and an new, adorable new costume. The new costume, costume is awesome. New costume, uh, new creative team. So that should be interesting. Even though I'm going to miss the Gail Simone run, yeah, um, because it's really it's really great. 
it, the two books that I am looking forward to more than anything right now are um, the Death of Wolverine. No, really? No, no. I don't, no? I don't read. I don't read Big Two anymore, yeah, dude. No, no, went no, the to two hell th- like two years ago. <laughs> the two that I'm looking forward to are the Fade Out, which is going to be um, Brubaker and Phillips' new new thing with Image, yeah. and uh, Remender and Tachini's new sci- sci-fi book Low. Mm. Oh god, that looks awesome! It's the same creative team as um, Last Days of American Crime, oh, which nice. we read on the show. Nice, um, and it looks fucking fantastic. I kind of like Remender. I kind of yeah. like Black Just Science. I like that Just guy. Yeah. yeah, Deadly Black, Class. I read the first awesome. issue of Black Science, and That's we should fun. do Deadly Class for seventy-seven. We can do. We should do it for eighty-seven because it's set in nineteen eighty-seven. Boom Studios is awesome. It turns out, and yeah. I highly recommend. Like I've been reading Midas Flesh and Lumberjanes. Homies that, help homies always. That are great for for very different re- reasons. Midas Flesh is great if you like um, rollicking space adventures and dinosaurs that say "dang," uh, <laughs> dang <laughs> because dang. it's Ryan North and that's what he does. Uh, Lumberjanes is fucking adorable. Uh, really, Lumberjanes makes my inner fourteen-year-old really, really, really happy because it's basically about like badass supernatural Girl Scout camp. Um, <laughs> okay. So it may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I th- I think it's tops. Uh, I can't remember who put it out, and it might be Boom Studios, or I might be just making things up in my brain. But uh, I read the first issue of The Empty Man, written by Colin Bunn. I'm pretty sure that is Boom Studios, yeah. It's yeah. pretty fucking good. I am really excited to see where it goes. Like, it's good, classy, classic horror. That's awesome. Okay, Lumberjanes, Old and Busted, New Hotness, Princess Ugg. Well, it's about a barbarian princess who yes. goes to a finishing school. This is an wow. actual... Yep. Well, it's well-written is the thing. Huh. Who writes it? Uh, Ted... Knifey? Knifey? Yeah, well, I've, I've seen his stuff before. That's is it, huh. It's Oni. It is it is a classic finishing school, or is it... It is a classic finishing school with barbarian a barbarian princess. princess. No. Also, a couple other things. Um, the Spread. Spread, yes. spread is great. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Turtles in Time arc by IDW is really fun. Really? It's really fun. Yeah. There's a shitload of book recommendations for everybody to talk about and read and, and get into. Uh, we are we talked about what we're doing for the next few <clears> shows. So if you want, if you would like to talk to us about the things that we are going to talk about on the show, feel free to email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook group at facebook.com/groups/tradesecretspodcast. Uh, it is way more active than our page ever was. Uh, Joel is ending up being our our group moderator. MVP. effectively because he's the guy that's like posting the most shit and getting the most discussion started um, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod uh, we are all individually on Twitter Andy Mathtastrophe and and being tweets Eddie Grape Doctor Joel Superfly with a PH. Superfly. <laughs> and, and I am at Geeky Leet. Uh, we talk about comics. We love uh, hearing from our fans. So please get in touch with us about any of the books that we are about to read. Uh, send us questions, comments. If you love us, you hate us, doesn't matter. Email us and we will talk about it on the show. Uh, this has been episode 72 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, all about Lazarus. Uh, thank you, Andy. Yep. Thank you, Ann. Yar. Thank you, Eddie. Hello. Thank you, Joel. Later. I am Luke, and we are out. Work it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger, more than ever, hour after hour, work is never over. Work it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger, more than ever.